High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. And you're very welcome back to High Noon with Kira Kelly in for George on this bank holiday. And I hope you're having a lovely time somewhere with your feet up uh, and maybe enjoying sunshine if you're lucky too. Loads of you getting involved still and, and the same item on gender seems to be running and running throughout the show. We've had hundreds and hundreds of texts. Kira, it's like this. Where would all us men be without all you beautiful women? And that's love from Bobbo. Bobbo, we love you too. We love people just like you, in fact. And uh, you in particular with a name like Bobbo. How could we fail to love you? And one here says, Kira, the performance of Francis Fitzgerald and Noreen, Sullivan, Noreen O'Sullivan and Arlene Foster proves the absolute incompetence that women have in senior positions. Uh, right back at you, anonymous texter, with a, a long, long, long list of incompetent men. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's the provision of, of any one single gender to be incompetent. But there you go. But anyway, now we're going to have some fun. It is a bank holiday and I'm joined in studio now by Barry Kenny, who you will know of this parish of Travel Tuesday with George Hook, one of our regulars, and Rebecca Horan, digital presenter and content editor at Extra.ie. And we're going to be talking about all the burning issues that have <laughs> exercised us over this <laughs> bank holiday weekend. You're very welcome to the programme, Thank guys. Thank you. Um, first off, let's take a little listen to this. a pretty good start, so does Jimmy V. Coleman, so does Chris Coleman, Coleman's leading it, and Bolt's going to chase him hard, he's not going to catch him at the moment, but here he comes, and Coleman's still got the lead, and Gatlin wins it! It's Gatlin! Right on the death, Gatlin comes through, Gatlin steals it, Coleman thought he had it, Bolt never got there, they're all looking. Ah, oh, Barry, I'm going to come to you first of all. It was like watching Aslan be killed at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia. Who shot Bambi? That's what it was like. <laughs> Everyone wanted yeah. Usain Bolt to win. I mean, you could hear the booing of the crowd yes. there when Gatlin came across the yeah. line. No, no, nobody wanted this. And of course, Gatlin has twice been, been done for, for dope. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit how you felt. You're a Usain Bolt fan. Yes. I mean, from the moments really, I suppose, in 2008 that he just burst onto the world stage. He has just owned this sport. As, as Steve Cram, who was on commentary there, said last year or a couple of years ago, he had saved his sport in yeah. certain ways from the likes of Gatlin. I don't know, I've had an unusual f- reaction to it since. Obviously, I want him to win it. Obviously, I wanted the perfect ending to the story. But I wonder, was this almost a more perfect ending? Because we've seen Usain Bolt do incredible things over the decade. We've seen him win. We've seen him when he's been had bad seasons come through at the very end. But we've never seen him, bar his false start uh, in, uh, in Daegu. We have never seen him fail, if, if, <laughs> if gold is the only definition of success. And his reaction to it just showed, I think, why it is he is so beloved and why he is he is so respected and why there's this sense of awe around him. Because not only was he magnanimous in defeat, he actively sought to provide redemption to the one person that we all reckon has, is absolutely undeserving of it. He was the first over. Gatlin was standing on his arm with his fingers to his lips, <laughs> shushing the crowd who booed him mercilessly through the week. <laughs> and in many ways, you know what I mean? That's entirely yeah, deserved, yeah. but there are God knows how many other dopers, known dopers, uh, who were running that didn't get that treatment. Uh, and Bolt goes over to be the first to congratulate him, to tell him, I never saw you. I was concentrating on Coleman. I never saw you. And you're right. And we do love you, Sam Bolt, for, for his personality as, as much as his, his relentless winning. But it would have been nice to see him go out in a high, wouldn't it? This probably was his last championship. It probably was the last time you might see him in action at the top of his game. And it would have been nice to see him maybe win under those circumstances. Oh, com- completely. But th- as I say, 
we have the entire experience of him now. Now, of course, he has the 4 by 100 coming up uh, and that will be his last championship event ever. The Americans, having got gold and silver, are rock-solid uh, favourites now, but they always have trouble getting the baton around the Yanks, so therefore the Jamaicans <laughs> may well take... It's the, the slippy hands. I, I, I've <laughs> seen him live twice, Usain Bolt. I saw him at the 200-metre final in London at the Olympics and specifically for him, went over a year later to see him at the 100 metres at the same venue. I've been lucky enough to get to a lot of sport that I'm into over the years. I've never seen a person who can command the attention of 80,000 plus people in this way. From the moment, I don't know if you've been to an athletics event, there's all sorts going on, there's field events, there's all sorts. The moment that guy steps out into the arena for as long as he is there, no one is looking at anything else. They could do seven metres in the pole vault and nobody noticed it. I feel like Barry's about to propose, not to me, <laughs> not to me, to him. I mean, Re- Rebecca... George will feel jealous yeah, now. Our little bromance is surpassed. Re- Rebecca, Usain Bolt, of the top 30 times mm. uh, of, of the records of the 100 metre sprint, Usain Bolt is the only man in that list. And there's not that many. There isn't 30 different people. There's not that many on the list uh, other than himself and a handful of others. But he's the only one who hasn't been done for doping. I, I, thought, do, I was going to say, yeah, who hasn't been done. Do, yeah. do you believe that he is the anomaly? That Do you believe that Usain Bolt is... is the freak who can outrun everybody without medication on board or do you think he just never got caught? No, I think we'd like to believe that he is exactly as Barry has put it. He is. And he's also this big man, a big presence. He's six foot five, 94 kgs, um, hugely uh, charismatic, a genuine, lovable man. And I think that's why we all love him. And I hate to say it, but with Conor McGregor in sport at the moment, we need somebody to be, to believe in and to have as a role model. And he has provided that. I mean, even the bolt uh, and everything that goes with his character. But I I think it's a great you know, name too, isn't it? It yes. is. It's a fantastic name. We <laughs> can believe in it. Yes. Synergy there. Yes. Uh, I mean, it could be fake. Who knows? It could be a pseudonym. But <laughs> I think you know, we we need this swan song. I think it's not too shabby to get a bronze. I mean, Barry must be fairly nifty around the track if he's not happy with this. I think it's not too shabby. I think it shows Gatlin up actually even more because now we're even more suspicious. Um, and I just think he's a terrific man. I was saying to Barry, you know, Barry's obviously in love with him. I said, <laughs> is he philanthropic? Is there anything else? But I think he is a genuinely decent man. He's a fa- family man. Very young, I think. I know I'm not a racing expert like around the track, but I think 30, it's, it's a pity because Gatlin is 35. I think he has more to give, but he's but he's hanging up his, his booties now and, and and he'll be sadly missed. Do, do you find it hard to believe though that he is the anomaly? And we're obviously not going to say anything. I don't. Anything. I'm not as cynical as I was. I think I had become very, oh, what's the point in the Olympics? What's the point in the championships? What's the point in anything anymore? Because really all of them, even Tour de France, I've just kind of, I got, yeah. I went off at having been a child who watched all these programmes and grew up with them. But I think we can't be that. We can't be like that. We can't be cynical about everything. I would be devastated to find mm. out. I think he is a believable character. I think he's likeable. And I think, uh, I, I don't think he, he's dishonest. Uh, I, I, hopefully I, he won't be caught. I, I do. F- oh, don't say. I actually believe that mm. he's clean. I just. I now maybe it's naive and maybe nobody can run that fast clean. I don't know, but I do feel about Usain Bolt. There is some quality that I want to believe mm. in, and, and all that kind of stuff. I think we're so invested in him. Talk, I, I think that's a, that's a huge issue. Talk to me a little bit about about, about Mo Farah, though. Obviously, yeah, that's what I was going to oh, say. Yeah. Is that you know he has this character that I suppose inspires belief and. Anyone who's a sports fan, really, there are inconsistencies in our worldviews. You know what I mean? There's a rationality to what we do. We saw Ayana the night before in the in the women's 10,000 metre final. And just a ridiculous performance <laughs> that cannot but like myself. prompt questions in your mind. Mo Farah and his coach, uh, uh, his coach 
has been proven to yeah, be. Yeah, so we know we know we know nothing about about Mo, Mo but we know Bar- that yes. his his coach has previously been involved with yes. athletes who have used yes. substances that were banned. So both Ayana and Farah have extraordinary records, have extraordinary performances, and we're there shaking our heads, going, "I'm not sure what's going on here." Whereas in the same breath. I'm looking at Usain Bolt and I'm saying, this guy's the real deal. This guy's a freak of nature. He, no one that height has been able to sprint this way before. So I know that there's an inconsistency in that. But yet he hasn't, I, I guess, by his actions, by his demeanour, by the fact that this mm-hmm. is a dour sport. Mm-hmm. And if you look back through the 80s and, you know, when I was a kid and seeing Carl Lewis, like just oh, an, yeah. an unlikable guy, right? <laughs> um, ben Johnson, who therefore I invested everything in a, as a kid and who let me down with his yellow eyes when you, and again, any moment's thought would have told you he was dubbed to the eyeballs. Linford Christie, just hard to warm but, to. But, but you've hit the nail on the head, haven't yeah. you? He's a people's person. I yeah. mean, with Lance Armstrong, he was formidable. I mean, he was out, you could never mm. really uh, be him yeah. but then he wasn't he wasn't honest and we have to sometimes believe we cannot be that cynical or what's the point yeah. is, is there a reason why we, we take this also personally though because <laughs> what, what I'm thinking is I, mean, I remember the 1984 Olympics I'm yeah. totally showing my age but I do remember uh, Lewis and Johnson and staying up late at night because obviously it was on, on the uh, west coast of America and you were staying up late because the, the races and all were in the middle yeah. of the night and as a kid it was very exciting mm. and you know I was never allowed to stay up for the yeah. Olympics before that time so it was very <laughs> exciting to be able to see these races but it never crossed our mind that they were taking drugs. We just sort of thought these people are superb athletes and we wanted to admire them mm. for it. Yeah. And then we felt cheated personally when we turned around and found they were all just uh, using drugs. And you know, you had the whole East German drugs factory at the time, like right through 80, 84 and 88. Um, this is a very sad uh, confession, uh, Kira. Uh, for the Seoul Olympics, uh, when Johnson was, was banned ultimately in 1988, I moved time zone. <laughs> because Lord. I was through the night Barry. I had to go to school Barry. in the daytime so therefore I slept five in the evening till eleven in the evening Oh, for the duration of the For the, the listeners, <laughs> he brought in a Usain Bolt bag today. So this is a man a slightly obsessed. The more I get to know Barry, <laughs> the more you the more wonder. afraid I become. <laughs> and loads of people getting involved. Someone says here, Usain is clean. Mm. If you look at his times as a kid and a teenager mm. and his progression, there are no there anomalies. And that's from Andrew and Rathfarnham. And I think that's what we all do want to believe. And someone else says, hi, Kira, I think we should change the terminology from Thunderbolt to Usain Bolt. He's pure magic. And that's from Eric. Uh, from Eric from Cork Girl uh, I don't know and then it says uh, I was delighted to see this is from another one from Robin Crumlin Gatlin win the hypocrisy about Bolt is crazy so so there's lots of people yeah. he does actually people feel quite strongly about they you do, Bolt they do. and another. that's you know for a, effectively a sport that you know people who aren't into sport you know there's a, a small number of household names in every sport but athletics had lost that because mm. of this generation of Darrow people because of this generation of proven drug cheats and he changed all that and the abiding memory as he leaves the track for me is not the 958 world record in Berlin it's the 969 which he broke in Beijing pulling up he was slowing up over the last 10 yards and he showboated crossing the line and that forever it was incredible is how to watch. commemorate. I'd actually remember that too because yeah. people go, oh my God, I, he's actually slowing down. I'm screaming at the screen going, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? But and what it, he's doing is breaking the world correct record. Correct me if I'm wrong, he held the world record in 100 and 200. Yes, it is like, so still I mean, does, yes. I mean, phenomenal, yeah. he, phenomenal. He, he is phenomenal and I think that's it. I think part of it is the showmanship. We we, we love the showmanship. We need him. Uh, <laughs> another text here. I know, we, we all we need do, you, we Bolt. We need him. Uh, it says, Bolt is a phenomenal athlete. However, Jamaica's anti-drug enforcement 
is very, very poor and therefore both achievements must be treated with caution. Mm. Farah has missed a number of drug testings, most famously when he didn't hear the doorbell ring at home. I have to say that... that a bell goes off in my mm. head when that I hear that. happens yeah. to all of us. <laughs> and along with his guilty coach, there is a whiff of cheating about him. You should advise your listeners to watch, and a lot of people are talking about this, Icarus on Netflix, mm. which delves into how Excellent. drug Russian, cheats yeah. beat the system. And that's from Jonathan. Lone. Thank you, Joe. It'll everyone. make you cynical till you die. I, w- I don't know. It's not good. It, ma- it made me come away going, I'm never watching. And I'll just stay fat. But that's, <laughs> the, that's the danger is that it goes like cycling. I mean, you know, to me, the Tour de France is the World Pharmaceutical Festival. I just <laughs> do not. I'm I, I, I really <laughs> If Sorry, it's on the Tour de France people, <laughs> in case we've just said something outrageous. If it's on the outrageous. background, it's for the scenery only. Oh, can, can, can we segue nicely from, from one beloved uh, icon to another? I was going to call her Lady Diana. Princess Diana. Obviously, it's 20 years since Princess Diana has died. Um, we have just seen the, 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 the Diana in her own words documentary aired last night where she spoke about the breakdown of her marriage and all that kind of stuff. Um, Rebecca, I'm going to come to you. I think you feel a little bit like Princess Diana, as Barry feels about <laughs> Usain Bolt. Was she a, a tragic heroine or was she someone who manipulated the media and was, in fact, all the fawning over her deserved or not? I think she was manipulative like most great women are. I mean, she was Ooh, fantastic. I'm glad I didn't say that. No, I think she was fantastic. <laughs> and I think what a tacky, tasteless documentary. I mean, for so long, her brother Earl Spencer was trying to prevent this going out on air on Channel 4. But as, as one of the viewers texted in saying, you feels like you're watching a conversation you shouldn't be listening to but you're there. I of course watched it like all the other filthy people in the world. Um, Look, it wasn't, uh, you know, Barry was saying even if you hadn't seen it, what you saw kind of in the papers about it was enough. Like it was really not that exciting. She was speaking to her voice coach Peter Settleton uh, and revealing quite a lot. I I mean, I just loved her quotes, her words. I always felt like a fat Sloan Ranger. Uh, Charles followed me around like a sick little puppy. We had sex once every three weeks. We had 13 interactions before marriage. He was like a bad rat when I went to the Queen about the troubles in our marriage she said Charles is hopeless I just I loved the the you know she was so candid and I think at that stage she was trying to you know she was kind of scalded but brave she was trying to move on with her life and I don't think she really cared what she said I don't think she would really care about this coming out now I think it shows a different light like last week we had her sons discussing her and they're such wonderful men they seem like genuinely wonderful men I think they're very like her and they're speaking about all the wonderful work she did with AIDS and landmines yeah, yeah. And, you know, homelessness. She did do huge, huge she charity did, work. But she always seemed like the kind of the deer in headlights and very shy and very un- misunderstood. And then you see this side and I think there are so many angles. She's so complex and I adore that about so her. So do you think that coy thing where she'd look at you under the lashes as if mm-hmm. she was terribly demure? Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness, I, I should point out that she was launched into the media at, what, 17, 18? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. you're a child. But do you think that coyness was an affected thing that it was a pretension yes, I do I think she had a difficult childhood if you look at her childhood the mum walked out on them and they were there left and if you watch any of the home videos of her she, she's quite precocious she's very confident apparently she was one of the funniest people most of her group uh, still you know maintain that she was a very entertaining woman so this is not a woman who was perhaps as vulnerable as we all think yes I think she was lonely and isolated in that marriage and I think that probably led to all the other issues that you know she suffered with but I do think she played a good game I think she was treated abominably by by the press and the paparazzi in in the UK and that like you know we all know that but I do think she also played a good game and I think to her advantage because she got to do all of the wonderful things that she did um, and I think she's left such I do think we're obsessed and I think again we're talking about Usain Bolt because she is formidable and I think also when you're beautiful and manipulative and smart there's all of these things make you more interested in this person perhaps if she hadn't have been so elegant and, and beautiful Kira, I'm not sure there'd be this this obsession but the, she was beautiful she the, was a princess 
there's there's things there's a thing trending on Twitter at the moment called unpopular opinions. One of my unpopular opinions is I I didn't think she was that good looking at all. <laughs> um, Barry, can yeah. I can I come to you? How did yeah. you fe- how did you feel personally about Princess Diana? I'm I, obviously again I kind of grew up with her, and I think what I have found as time has gone on, particularly now as we look back twenty years, is how her legacy is the one that she would have created for herself. I think effectively she has, in the at the end of the day, she has won. Um, because it is easy to forget that particularly in the few years leading up to her death and between the uh, interview with Martin Bashir, um, there was a lot of controversy, a lot of sp- split opinion about her. Um, one of the things that comes across to me, I didn't see the, in her own words, but I did see this, <laughs> yeah, the show with, the, with her two sons. I kind of was pretending to be, uh, you know, <laughs> reading something else on the iPad, but looking at it, at it intently. Is what an abnormal world mm. she had to live in and her two sons have had to grow up in. And how, you know, in an age now where the, the, the celebrity... Uh, Gilded is, mouse cage, really. Yeah, but the celebrity is just so ubiquitous and how, you know, the people become famous for absolutely nothing. This was an age where there were a, a far fewer number of people that had that level of attention and she was yeah. absolutely one and indeed the pinnacle of it. And I think what was done to her in the first instance in terms of the level of attention, the level of scrutiny, the unfair attention scrutiny uh, was extraordinary. But then what was done by her to mm. turn that around and to leave that legacy where now we are, you know, I mean, this documentary with the two sons. You're absolutely right, Rebecca. There's something about that show, even though it was clearly, the, you know, there was a lot of PR in it <laughs> and it was clearly quite well staged. But there was a naturalism to the two uh, sons that made you think, these are good people. Yeah, they seem to be and, and that you, <laughs> Yes, and that you ascribe it to Diana. That is why they became good people because she was able to say, there's a world beyond this madness and also then to bring focus to things like, I mean, people do forget the fact that she went into a hospital ward and shook hands with an AIDS uh, victim. That was so controversial at was the time. an incredible yeah. thing. I mean, effectively, you mm. were, you know, you needed everything yeah. sterilised in every restaurant you went into, went into at the time. And that was the way people spoke at the mm. time. Barry makes a good point, Rebecca. She did kind of win the media war, mm-hmm. if you like, because she could have been crushed yeah. by the royal family. They have a, they have a, mm-hmm. a machine behind mm-hmm. them. They are a machine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, England is a monarchy and the royal family largely is popular. Um, but yet she managed, despite falling out with them mm-hmm. and badly uh, and all that kind of stuff to maintain a place in the hearts of the ordinary people mm-hmm. when she could have been absolutely eviscerated, couldn't she? Vilified or obliterated, absolutely. And I think what this also revealed, this documentary, what was interesting about it, because the voiceover guy was so tacky, the whole thing was cringe, <laughs> there was this kind of eerie music. I mean, the whole thing was just, oh. But you did realise that it was... You felt a bit dirty watching Yeah, it. I did. <laughs> I, I felt seedy and also I did not want to know that Prince Charles sat on the loo making sex calls to, to Camilla. It was something I never we, needed this we, morning. We couldn't knew uh, that before, though. Child, there was all sorts of horrible details. <laughs> I think it's more corrosive to the Windsors who are hiding behind the palace wall. I love how everyone was protecting this going out for the boys. I mean, the boys know a lot about this. Do they really want to know about their, their mom's sex life? No, but they're, they're adults. It was more corrosive and there was such an awareness about how badly she was treated by them, which is why I think they didn't want this to come out. And yes, you're right. She won that battle. Why did she win? Because like I'm saying, we want to believe in somebody that's similar to us, that perhaps is flawed, is complex, is beautiful. And I'm not saying that she was naturally beautiful where you go, but she looked looked incredible. She was elegant. She held herself care. And I think the ordinary person wants to believe that she'll make it. And to have died so young and have done so much 
after she was married to him shows how incredible she was. A lot of what she said, Barry, would have been, you know, about poor me because mm. there's three people in this marriage and all that yeah. stuff, obviously, about Camilla, who is now Charles's wife and all that kind of business. But my guess is, and I don't think, I'm not any expert on royal families, but my guess is, is that aristocrats having affairs is nothing new <laughs> yes, yeah. and that you know that was probably par for the course not only in, in, in Charles and mm. Diana's marriage but in every other marriage that probably because they, they're allowed they can they yeah. can get away with these things because they're not like the rest of us who, who you know people were saying oh god poor her her husband didn't love her it was never necessarily a love match anyway there was, they'd met 13 no. times yeah and it was of, I mean it was effectively an arranged marriage yeah. you know, for all intents and purposes yeah. um, but as I say it coincided and, and the staging of the wedding and I guess the power of the, the tabloid press and the interest that, that generated, it really just became this kind of critical mass of interest that was unprecedented, I think, for the level of person that she was. You know what I mean? It's one thing if you're the prime minister in the UK, if you're the president in the US, everything you say and do is going to be analysed and scrutinised for a good reason because you wield extraordinary power. I think she was effectively the first, you know, far bigger than, you know, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor are far bigger than any other celebrity before that who effectively was thrust into that for for no particular reason. But I I do say, I mean, it is easy to forget, you know, when she was uh, going out with Dodi Al-Fayed and, you know, in her in her last months, that generated extraordinary controversy in Britain. Hang on a second. The mother of the heir to the throne is going to be marrying you know, a Muslim heir to the Harrods fortune. And that was Free biscuits for life. Ab- <laughs> absolutely. And those little tea caddies. They're lovely. Green I'm glad, metal I'm tea I'm glad caddies. you're thinking of the right direction. Sorry, yes, I was thinking of the, the right direction. Benefits. But, but there know? were those huge conspiracy theories at the time. Do you, do you remember yeah. the conspiracy theories? Yeah. She, she, she died in the tunnel because of, of she was a hit. Mm. It was all this kind of stuff yeah. because she was pregnant. And there was a huge... Yeah. I mean, well, it, 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 you couldn't make this stuff the up. W- the week after... Perhaps you could. Yeah, but the week after... She died. Uh, and I hope that we do actually see some of this. And I'm sure we will for the 20th anniversary. It was like Britain just became a different country. Hang on. But I was saying to you outside, yeah. you either grew up in a family who really cared a lot about this in Ireland or who 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 really didn't. Mm-hmm. give. And not that my, you know, we're not anti-royal, but we're not royalists at all. And I know I remember we spoke about it and we're like, oh, it's very sad, but we weren't obsessed. We didn't buy a tea cloth. And then there was other families in Ireland. <laughs> that's, that's the mark of obsession, clearly, exactly. who I were buying all of the papers with the kind of free memorabilia yeah. and, yeah. you know, obsessing. And maybe I was too young to remember, but I don't. We weren't that obsessed. So I, I can't believe how this is still lingering this kind of and she fell in love with a lot of men she also fell in love with which came out last night the personal protection officer Barry Manatee who died in 1987 yeah. and wanted to marry him wanted to marry Dodie uh, a lot of the guys in the documentary last week with her sons fell in uh, all her friends from college fell in love with her I mean this is a woman who I mean who? I wish I could have as much <laughs> everyone falls really? in love with her I, I, I'm not just you know blowing smoke uh, you're much better looking than Lady Diana <laughs> uh, do stay tuned because we, I'm pregnant we, we've glowing we have loads more coming up after this including Trump with his own news show mm-hmm. stick around for that for the bank holiday panel this is Barry Kenny and Rebecca Horn. High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. And you're listening to High Noon on this Bank Holiday Monday with Kira Kelly in for George. And I'm joined in studio this afternoon with our Bank Holiday panel of Rebecca Horn and also Barry Kenny. Now, here is Kayleigh McEnany, a former CNN contributor. And this appeared on Donald Trump's Facebook page yesterday, one day after she left the cable network. And it's had over a million views already. Just take a listen to this. 
Hey everybody, I'm Kaylee McEnany. Thank you for joining us as we provide you the news of the week from Trump Tower here in New York. More great economic news on Friday. The July jobs report added a better than expected 209,000 jobs. Overall, since the president took office, President Trump has created more than 1 million jobs. The unemployment rate is at a 16-year low and consumer confidence is at a 16-year high, all while the Dow Jones continues to break records. President Trump has clearly steered the economy back in the right direction. Thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm Kaylee McEnany, and that is The Real News. Good Lord. Live from Trump Towers, The Real News. Rebecca Horan, what what, uh, what do we make of this? Break records. The only thing that man does is break wind. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot. Listen, for a while there, I was so angry and I was on the whole, you know, feminist rant and he should be impeached. Uh, he needs to, stay. for the absolute crack August kill, this man needs to stay. This is an absolute joke. They have a Facebook page where they have real news broadcast about the wonderful things he does. I want to do this. I need to do this for myself. Some chap going on my Facebook page and saying Rebecca had a great walk today. She fed the dog on time. It's all of his successes throughout the week and Lara Trump I mean it's just it's not nepotism or anything but Lara Trump his daughter-in-law Eric's wife um, his, his middle uh, son is presenting the show she used to work in television in local TV so she'd be the right woman for this she's not at all you know it's not all biased conflicted. or anything no she's not conflicted <laughs> at all and it's a fabulous job she's doing okay no, and, and, and I'm laughing here and I, and I do think there is a sort of a, a, an irony and a humour about all this but is this not actually very sinister this is like we for years we've kind of scoffed at Russia today mm. you know Putin's yeah. you know news channel that that is state sponsored and, and you know and we might we might talk about RGE here but this is a <laughs> yeah. whole different ballgame this is state sponsored or or presidentially sponsored to give us one slant of the news and, and it's, it's, it's did we ever think that we would see a time when there was a propaganda channel mm. in the US of A well, it's, uh, it's, it was Voice of America. I always remember that when I worked in the summer for Germany, VOA broadcasting into the centre of Europe. But no, this is this is North Korean. That's the scale <laughs> that we're operating at. I, I used to watch Kayleigh McEnany. She was on the panel on CNN for the last few years. One of these Trump surrogates, as they call them. And, you know, very competent, very well able to argue uh, her case. Obviously, on a CNN panel, that's going to be a panel where the majority are against her worldview. But unlike some of these surrogates, she she was, I always found her quite effective. Quite, yeah. you know, I think, God, you know, he is lucky to have her on his side making the case. It is like the life has gone out of her eyes looking at her from the, the from Trump Tower. I, I saw that clip this morning. Are you morning. suggesting she's been bought? I, I, I mean, clearly, clearly. She literally, she asked to be, for her CNN contract to be ended early. She specifically went to them and said, listen, I want to go do something else. Can you facilitate me? And they said, listen, you've been a great contributor to us. That's absolutely fine. Next day, she pops up on Trump TV. And... It is worrying because it's part of this wider campaign by Trump to delegitimize uh, the broader media and the, if you like, the respected media, the media that offers conflicting opinions. And it's part of this almost, I mean, never any process where we get into silos and the only things that we are exposed to are those which agree with our existing mm-hmm. world view and dare I say it, and I do realize in alluding to Diana, I'm about to step into a minefield here now that the fact that someone like Kevin Myers appears in a newspaper means that I am challenged by views that I'm not comfortable with, that I mm-hmm. don't agree with. But it's there. And that's the strength of the mainstream media. That's the strength of a, if you like, in a broad based newspaper like the Sunday Times or like RT or like News Talk. 
that I can hear and be exposed to things I'm not comfortable with. But actually what's happening dramatically so in America uh, and to an extent, uh, I think in Britain you see it as well to an extent and also here, is that we're being drawn into an echo chamber and that's hugely uh, damaging, I think, and potentially disruptive democracy and I think that's what this proves. And putting the country under hypnosis. I mean, it's all, <laughs> it is. It's very, it's very strange. But, but, but doesn't Barry make a good point, Rebecca, that a free press mm. is part of living in a democracy, is part of living in an environment where you're, you know, it's not just opposing views, but it, it, it's, it's the reality mm. of, of facts versus mm-hmm. fiction. We actually hear stuff yeah. that is, you know, unpalatable or unpopular but it's factual and it's important to get mm. that kind of news out there whereas getting a whitewashed version mm-hmm. of that that it is towing some line of some politician that undermines democracy it undermines people's ability to vote for who they want and therefore kind of concedes power mm-hmm to the politicians and takes it away from the people. That's pure spin and absolutely Barry you're right I mean whatever we say about Kevin Myers and I think it's been discussed to death uh, it is conflicting it's offensive on the ears it's why was it there all of that kind of thing but also God it got the conversation started again thank Mm. God for as a woman in this country in the media I was I was you know happy that there was a conversation again was I happy it was written like that no but I mean he concedes himself he didn't take much time over that freedom of speech is very necessary and what is happening there is that we're getting it's like vortex it's just just this news about him but I think we have to be able to laugh at that too Kira. we have to have a sense of humour because we will go mad it's an absolute pure <laughs> stunt if you were to speak wonderfully about me all day long surely the intelligent people of this world would believe that this, these things aren't true the problem is there's so many uneducated ignorant people in America at the moment who are supporting this man and when, when they're announcing things that are particularly interesting like jobs economy these are what you know they're hearing that's all they want mm. to hear that's what they w- voted for him to do in the first place so that's where the danger lies the actual show itself is just laughable I mean it's gas I'd say Melania will be on next <laughs> wearing next to nothing if, she, if she's still talking to him uh, loads of people getting involved about Trump Trump didn't want to win in the first place he's playing the silly game to be impeached and get out with the infamy infamy they all have it in for me attitude <laughs> after that it's down to the real business of setting up his own media empire with all his free publicity and sympathy which we have supplied him with and that's from Brian Clausey and Chew. and he says just a thought and then a very unhappy face and then someone else said it I'm a fan of Trump he has opened a debate in the West on trade and immigration and that is much needed and a lot of people do say that about Trump and that's one of his his strongholds is that people say he's saying things that other people are afraid to say and uh, Kira, this sounds like a very left leaning panel and brackets and host there pot calling kettle black do you know what Will and Kilkenny we must be relatively objective because I have had multiple texts all day saying that we are left leaning and multiple texts all day saying that we are right leaning <laughs> so uh, I must be somewhere somewhere <laughs> still well, what, in what the middle done for yeah. Ford bringing that I mean hang on I was writing a piece about OJ Simpson's Ford Bronco and how it was for <laughs> sale and how Ford is I mean jokes aside he, there are things that he says and I always have to kind of pinch myself and wonder am I okay where you're like mm, that does make sense there are you know a lot of trade had left America. He, he, he. I agree with him on that. I agree with him on some of the issues, um, you know, with with trade, international trade laws. But it's the other stuff. It mm. would be the racism and misogyny. It would jar a little it, bit. It's it's what happens next. Yeah. I'd say is what worries. What does this do in the long term to the way politics operates in America, the way mm. media operates in America? I mean, if he is impeached, is anybody sitting here sanguine about the fact that Mike Pence is going to no. s- s- stand no, into and the that, chair? No, and that's the scary thing. And yes. I feel at the moment we're watching a kind of watered down version of The Apprentice where you know you're fired it's a celebrity kind of presidential and we're, we're all we all kind of know he won't be there and I agree he doesn't want to be there for long uh, but yes it's what's it's what's coming I wouldn't bet against him being re-elected uh, I really uh, would uh, who, who, who can know but, but equally 
you're quite right the changes that have come about in the last number of months they may never really be undone it yeah. may be that, it, that it's even, it's even what a president is what a president does I mean there was ever you thought of any president new, here to four you know Reagan Bush the two Bushes we're, Obama we're, Clinton we're going to move on slightly from Trump to, to something that was in fortune.com less work less sex less happiness we are losing generation Z and that's just me <laughs> <laughs> the smartphone uh, uh, you are probably our generation Z um, tell me this Rebecca do you think the smartphones are actually a bit like Trump changing forever how we live our lives yes and for a while I, I, I was of the opinion you know this is a digital we are living as Madonna would say in a digital world perhaps not her exact uh, words in that song but I mean you know the only jobs available now to young people are in IT or in digital I mean we have to be honest don't don't train to be a journalist because there is no point people out there um, but you know what I mean this is what we were surviving on isn't it great that young people I mean I work in an office where 22, 23 year olds don't need to go and train they've just all these fabulous skills they know how to use everything but then I kind of sat back and went oh, we've seriously lacking in our social skills. Oh, you're right, we're not having enough sex. Oh, we're still living at home with our parents, yet we're not able to communicate with them anymore. We're not learning to drive. At the, I mean, if you look at all the statistics, we, we learned to drive earlier in the past. We had jobs. We had our own income at a very young age because we had to be independent because we had no other choice. We're also not, for can all we our Tinders, we're not as that? good at dating. Are we, can we blame yes. all of that on, smart- yes. Yes. <laughs> on smartphones? I'm iGen, apparently. Yes. I don't know. There I didn't know are. there was a millennium. I, I think I'm, you are now. Yes, um, yes, we can. And I see the zombie like a when I perhaps I've been a little bit sick recently and how I'm at home on the tablet or looking I become odd ba- Barry I- I- are iPhones ruining your sex life? <laughs> no, please tell that us That really isn't please for me us. to say um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, look firstly I learned to drive at the age of 35 so, uh, so. so you're a late bloomer <laughs> and that's nothing to do with the earlier question no, that's no, all you're saying Barry. Not. Um, I, I mean what, what this is based on swiftly moving focus <laughs> uh, is what this is based on is like your generation multi-generation studies and young people in the States, kind of teenagers, early 20s, are spending 40% less time with friends. I mean, and it's an absolutely monumental and dramatic shift that has happened. And they basically, the dateline they put on it is introduction of the iPhone. I mean, there is no doubt that it, I mean, we all know it impacts our own behaviour. This is a study at teenage uh, and early 20s level. But if anybody is being remotely honest with themselves, we have appalling habits based around iPhone, iPad use. I quite deliberately from time to time will go through a process where when I wake up in the morning, don't reach for the phone. Mm-hmm. Don't reach for the phone. You know, the trains are running. You'd have heard, you'd heard about it <laughs> if, they, if, they, if, they, if they weren't. Exactly. And, you know, it's the, the view is in this study is not only is it, you know, impacting sex lives as a positive in that, that the teen pregnancy rate is, is plummeting in the <laughs> States as a result, but that people are saying, I feel more lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have greater mental health mm-hmm. issues. How it relates to the they tracked usage of Facebook versus mental health and feelings of loneliness. Because everyone's the, having a better time. Yes, and, and that's the that parallel FOMO, is, isn't it? Is, the is fear of missing out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that is more powerful than we can... And we, there's also a slightly addictive quality, mm-hmm. isn't there? The kind of the looking for the notification mm-hmm. or the, the well, whatever, the lum- yep. number of likes you do or don't get. Listen, we've all been there. And I think I went through a phase of being quite addicted because I'd never touched Facebook, came to it quite late and then joined everything. Mm. And I think because also I was a newsreader and I wanted to have a profile, I thought I'd join. And then I suddenly realised how empty I felt, no matter how many likes or clicks. So there is that empty. But I do think friends are overrated, Barry. You're talking about we've less friends. <laughs> right. I don't think you need that many. Um, <laughs> but I do think you need decent friends. I don't think this is it's the quantity the I think it's yes, the quality absolutely. I think it is literally you are seeing an absolute dip yeah, no, in know. the number of I'm times joking. 
teenagers uh-uh. are spending it with their physically with their friends rather than putting face filters. On that note, my, my thanks to Rebecca Horn who has <laughs> no friends so and much. to Barry Kenny who has no sex. <laughs> <laughs> Barry will be in with George tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Where will you be off to, by the way, Barry? Um, <laughs> never I'm not, mind, I'm never not mind. saying it's prepared throw, last minute I or anything. But, <laughs> but that is it for me today, Kira Kelly. Sean Moncrief is up next. My thanks to sound engineer today, Michael Quilligan, to Elaine Power, who is researching, and your producer was Alex Russo. I will be on News Talk Breakfast tomorrow morning with Shane Coleman. I can't get enough of this place. And George will be back to you as ever at high noon. Have a great bank holiday.